All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Doug Minton here to dig deeper into the Psalms with you this week. After having done the Songs of Ascent, we have many times of now the steadfast love of the Lord being praised. Biggest example of this is Psalm 136, which we'll look at over the next few weeks. But this week, we're going to look at the psalms surrounding it. Psalm 135, 137, and 138. Introducing this idea of the steadfast love of the Lord enduring forever. So we start off in Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our, God, our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and of beast, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levi, bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion. He who dwells in Jerusalem, praise the Lord. So far, Psalm 135. As we begin looking at the steadfast love of the Lord enduring forever, first of all, we take into account that his name endures forever. The name given to Moses when Moses asked, Who shall I say sent you? God says, Yahweh. I am, which again, as we will get into Revelation at the beginning of 2023, we will see that that phrase itself can be, I am who I am, I was who I was, I will be who I will be, past, present, and future, all in one word, because God does exist, past, present, and future, without beginning, without end. And therefore, his name endures forever. And that name, I am, being remindful of I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says that to his disciples right before his ascension. We have this promise in the name of God's steadfast love because he is the very existence of love. Now, this love shows itself in many different ways, especially in Psalm 135. 
the psalmist begins by going to Egypt. Again, Moses sent to Pharaoh. The I am has sent me to bring out his people. Pharaoh says, who is this I am? I am. I am. And God has to show who the real God is, especially in the 10th plague and the killing of the firstborn of man and beast, wiping out lineages even from Egypt in one fell swoop overnight. But again, I said that was the 10th plague. The psalmist backtracks and says, you had nine more before that. Signs and wonders against Pharaoh and his gods. And Pharaoh would not listen. Pharaoh would not allow the people to leave. Until his firstborn son was killed. Then he wanted him gone. Then they go through the Red Sea to Mount Sinai, wander around the wilderness, go up into the lands of Bashan and Moab and those places along the east side of the Jordan, and they start taking account of the kings that they and kingdoms that they have destroyed. All because of God being I am, and I am with you. Or as we say many, many times as Lutherans, I am for you. And that is, I guess, the most important preposition in this entire thing. I am with you is very comforting, can be a very great source of strength. But with you may not necessarily always mean for you. We see this plugging the wrestling side of it. We see this in Pro Wrestling America quite often as tag team partners who are with each other turn on each other. But not with God. God is not only with you, he is for you. And therefore, you can be certain of his love being shown to you. Picking up shortly at in verse 14, we have again, going back to Egypt, the song of Miriam and the children of Israel after they have crossed the Red Sea. One of the lines being, the Lord will vindicate his people. And as that has been brought into the Lutheran service book as one of the canticles uh, in the back that can be used really any time, that is the refrain, the Lord will vindicate his people. Why do we have this in this psalm? Real simple. We move on into verse 15. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. They are mute and dumb, plain and simple. We saw this back in Psalm 115. We see it again as we look over into Isaiah 42. 
starting there in verse 14. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame, who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, you are our gods. We have this whole thing where, yes, idolatry is a major problem, not only in the world of the Psalms, not only in the world of Isaiah, but today as well. We don't have them as carved statues most times, but we do still have the idols. We go another page over in Isaiah. Isaiah 44, starting with verse 12. The ironsmith takes a cutting tool and works it over the coals. He fashions it with hammers and works it with his strong arm. He becomes hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The carpenter stretches a line. He marks it out with a pencil. He shapes it in pl with planes and marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. He cuts down cedars or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak tree and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the half he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. Also, he warms himself and says, Aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my god. Over the last, I think, month, I have referenced this portion of Isaiah numerous times in Bible studies and in sermons. And that is what we do today still. No, we don't take part of a tree, make it into an idol, and use the rest of it to heat our houses, to cook our food. But we take what God has given us. And many people focus on the reaction to what we do with what we've been given. Take this podcast, for example. I am glad that it has over 22,000 downloads. I am glad that there have been people in 70 countries who have at least listened to one episode of it. I could get very proud of it, but then I could also get very depressed over the fact that, yes, I have had some times where a lot of episodes are downloaded, and I'm fairly sure there have been numerous days that there have been over a thousand downloads of this podcast. I could get really excited over that. But then I also see still that the bulk of the episodes here have three, four, five plays. I could really wish that I could find a way to have each episode have hundreds of listens. But that's not me. 
I don't go seeking after the glory and the fame like some people. People who get depressed if there aren't likes on their Facebook post or their Instagram post within minutes. The people don't like them anymore. That's the idolatry of fame. That's the idolatry of celebrity. I don't seek to be a celebrity. I don't seek to be world famous. I seek to be able to faithfully give out episodes and information for people wanting to dig through the scriptures, wanting to dig into the Lutheran confessions so that they may be better equipped to wrestle with the theology around them. That is why this podcast exists. Not to try to stroke my own ego, not to try to make it all about me, but to make it about the one true God, especially as we see over the course of the next month in the confessional corner as we talk about the creeds and taking each creed individually before digging into the catechism on the creed. Or as we come into 2023 and after we get done with Psalms, we go into Revelation, seeking to help people better understand the misconceptions, the misconstruing of things that happens in this world. That is what this podcast is for. Not for me, but for you, the listener. All right, that is enough of me rambling right now. We move on into Psalm 137. Skipping Psalm 136, which we will do over the next three weeks. But here we are. 137, one of the latest ones, as we see from the very opening words. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our lyres. For there our captors required of us songs. And our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem, how they said, Lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall be he who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. So far, Psalm 137. By the waters of Babylon, in captivity, there are still psalms being spoken, still psalms being sung. Some of it out of the joy, wanting to keep the remembrance of Zion, wanting to keep the remembrance of Jerusalem and all of God's promises. Some done out of torment, as the captors and the tormentors demanded to hear the songs of Zion, to hear the great psalms of the God who let his people get defeated, who forsook his people. That is the torment that is there. Now the question, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Again, this is Israel thinking of itself too importantly because where is a foreign land for God God owns it all 
It is all God's. There is no foreign land for God. So everywhere is a place for us to sing the Lord's song. Because singing the Lord's song, doing favorite hymns, and even not-so-favorite hymns, and maybe even hard ones to get through, help us to see, help us to remember the great joys of the Lord. But also, it's not just, oh, poor, poor, pitiful me in this psalm. They want vengeance. They are like the saints under the altar in heaven, crying out, How long, O Lord? How long shall the evil continue on this earth? So also the Israelites in Babylonian captivity. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem, how they said, Lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. We see this again in Habakkuk and in Zephaniah as they talk about these things and the great joy that Edom had in Israel's destruction. But again, verse 8 moves on a little further down the line. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed. Even though the people of Israel are captive in Babylon, they are exiled from their land. They know Babylon will not stand forever either. Babylon will fall because God has declared it already. Now, how do we do that? How do we respond to that? Well, we move into Psalm 138, this one of David. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. We have in this last verse that bridge between 135 through 138 and then moving into 139, as we especially talk about the work of your hands in 139. But your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Why? Because he has given us his word. David writes this. He is thinking about the tabernacle that he has brought into Jerusalem, the temple that his son will build. And again, facing the tabernacle, facing where the temple would be, as many people still today try to orient their churches so that the altars are in a direct line so that the worshipers are facing Jerusalem. Why is it that we continue to do this? Partially, it's the way we've always done it. Partially, it's a little bit of superstition. Because my own congregation, well, the altar, everybody's looking at it as facing north. It doesn't matter. It's not a high priority that we orient ourselves 
toward Jerusalem. What it is, is that we orient our ways to the steadfast love and faithfulness that he has given us in his name and in his word. We remember that for the law. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. That even though God is seated up in the heavens, he still knows you and I in every minute detail about us, including the number of hairs on our head, the number of days we will live, and every little thing about us. That is is why we talk about his steadfast love enduring forever. Because it is his steadfast love that brings out his love and his care for the lowly. But the haughty he knows from afar. Those who try to raise themselves up against him, he wants nothing to do with. But those who come to him seeking the refuge of his word, his love, his name. He gives that refuge. He gives that security. Because of his steadfast love that endures forever. All right, that's it for this week as we have looked at Psalms 135, 137, and 138. The next three or four weeks, we do have Psalm 136 on the docket as we look at the steadfast love, not of God not only enduring forever, but being seen in specific things throughout history, specific themes throughout the Old Testament will come to again. But until then, this is Pastor Doug Minton, thanking you for being here, digging deeper into the Psalms with me. Come back for the Confessional Corner on Mondays. If you are into pro wrestling, Pro Wrestling America on Wednesdays, the moments of meditation, the sermons from our Savior Lutheran here in Milford, Illinois, all the things that I do, again, not to stroke my own ego, but to help build you up so that you may wrestle with the theologies around you. Amen.